I was listen, I listened to conversations. Uh, every once in a while, I well, I, tr- I try to be very nice, good husband. My wife likes to shop. I like to buy. There's a huge difference between shopping and buying. Before I leave the house, I know what I want, where it's at, what I'm going to pay for it, and I go buy it, and I come home. My wife likes to shop. Hold it up, look, spend 20 minutes with one item, and then put it back. But anyhow, I sit out, and and I like to listen to people talk. Uh, No matter where I'm at, I, I like to listen. And the one thing that seems to be a general theme is how did we get where we are? Now, it's amazing when you look at society. There is a whole younger group in this world that has no idea that things are messed up. Do you? I hope you realize that. They're not bad people. They just have never been told the truth. Their study history books, it's been changed. Uh, they just think this is the norm. Then you have people like us who remember. <laughs> remember when honesty was the best policy. When stupidity was frowned at. Uh, and it was, you know, one of my favorite uh, guys named Gus and Lonesome Dove. They said this about Gus. He don't abide stupidity. Which, that's country for saying they just don't like it. But yet, we're living in a time now that if you don't laugh, <laughs> you're going to be on the psychiatrist's couch with a messed up mind. Because stuff is messed up. And, and I, as I was studying this passage, in fact, last night about 1230, I guess this morning at about 1230, a thought came to me and I got up. And the thought was this. This passage that we're going to look at today will explain to you exactly why we're in the mess that we are. And that's this reason. We have let evil... Control the conversation. Do you understand what I'm saying? We let evil control the conversation. Here's what I mean. Back when abortion began, they knew to say that they were going to kill a baby, people wouldn't go for that. So they said, we're going, what you're going to, to do is remove a fetus. And I'm very sorry to say that the Christians fell into that trap. But I want to tell you, I'm 76 years old, got a lot of grandchildren, great-grandchildren, been around a lot of people. And I've never heard a woman turn to her husband and say, guess what? We're going to have a fetus. You see, a fetus is something that sounds foreign. Who wants a fetus? So you have it removed. And that's how they begin to control the conversation. Then they went from abortion clinics to women's health. Now, who can be against women's health, right? Amen? But that's how it's advertised. And then we went into this whole gender issue. God made a mistake. 
I was actually born a male. I was actually born a female. It's God's fault. And then the whole group of doctors have made billions of dollars learning how to mess with what God has made. That basically is simply being in the face of God himself and his spirit. In the Old Testament, you will read about a sin with a high hand. And a high-handed sin is kind of like standing in front of somebody and lying to them, and they know you're lying. You just don't care. And that's where we've gone in this world. When you read the Gospels, one thing is very evident. One man controlled the conversations, and that was Jesus Christ. He spoke the word with boldness. And I will say to us today, there's no room to be hateful. There's no room to be nasty and, and bad to, to folks that you see out there with strange beliefs and strange things. But it is an opportunity that in love you simply stand on the truth and not swerve. And this is what we see in my favorite passage here. It's one I call Lord of the Flies. Now, you may think that's a strange title, but it's not. And I'll explain that to you in a minute. We're only in the third chapter of the book of Mark, and you realize Mark kind of skipped around, right? His is kind of like the cliff notes of the gospel of Christ. So you, we're going to go over into a Matthew passage to kind of give you more information. But what we do see is that Jesus had healed a man with a withered hand. There's a great crowd that is following Jesus. He goes to the mountains. He appoints the 12 apostles. And then as he comes down from the mountain, we find him in this scene found in Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. Let's, let's look at this. And the teachers of the law, these were the Pharisees. In fact, let me back up. Hold that on the screen. We read in uh, the sixth verse, which is not going to be up here, a very interesting occurrence. You see, there were scribes and Pharisees. Those were against each other. There's another party called the, the Herodians. That is a Greek party within the Sanhedrin. And the Pharisees and the Herodians hated each other. The Pharisees and the scribes, they disagreed with their theology, but they were always together. The Herodians were a group the Pharisees had no use for. But you read in verse 6, the Pharisees went out and held counsel with the Herodians against them how to destroy Jesus. You see, they had moved to the point of not just, they've gone through the steps that you look at. Whenever you hear a teaching, there's doubt. Then you can criticize. You become indifferent to it. You don't really care. And next comes outright rejection. You need to understand that at this point in Jesus' ministry, in all of the miracles that they have seen, 
and everything that God had said through his son becoming true. The scriptures, when Jesus quoted them, they knew them in their heart. They had gone from the point of doubting to outright rejection, and they wanted all the help that they could. And we're going to see they are now in the mode of trying to destroy the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, teachers, Pharisees came down from Jerusalem and said, He is possessed by Beelzebul. Who is Beelzebul? We got a picture of him? I think we do. I hope we do. Mike, there he is. Ain't he pretty? This is the Lord of the Flies. He is actually referred to as Satan. He was the god of the Philistine city, Ekron. And it was a play on the word of Baal, but people began to refer to Satan as Beelzebub. Okay, let's go back to the verses. He came down from the mountain. He is possessed by Beelzebul. By the prince of the demons, he is casting out demons. Just let's leave that right there. There was only two powers, and there still is only two powers. There's the power of Satan and the power of God. So here is a group, these teachers of the law. And they are saying, why are they saying this? I'm glad you asked. In Matthew chapter 12, we'll find out why all of a sudden, out of the blue, they make this this statement. All right, let's go to Matthew 12. They, the crowd, brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. They brought him, Jesus, a demon-possessed man. In this time, they thought that if you couldn't hear, if you couldn't speak, if you were blind, it was because you were oppressed. There were there was a demon that caused this. And so he was possessed. He was blind. He was mute. And they brought him to Jesus. Why? Because the crowd was smarter than the religious community. They brought him to the only place they knew that this man could find help. So let's, let's go on. And Jesus healed him so that he could, he could both talk and see. That means the demon was also cast out. Okay? Here we go. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? This is important for a very important reason. The Messiah was prophesied the one who would come would be the son of David. And what these religious leaders were hearing in their ears was these multitudes of people that was following Jesus all of a sudden began to believe this could be the long-awaited Messiah. Because you really don't understand until you get in the Word how the Jewish nation 
longed for that Messiah. The oppression that they were literally born in. They were looking for that one that would set them free. But you know the reason the religious community rejected him is because he did not come here as that king who would sit on a throne and free them from the domination of Rome. The zealots, they didn't believe in him because they were looking for a warrior to come and mount an army and overthrow their enemies. Instead, a baby in a manger slipped into the world with only the shepherds to welcome him. This man, as he began his ministry, began to astonish him. And it also, excuse me, he didn't start this 33 years ago. Okay? When you look, when he was a young man, approximately 12 years old, probably the same religious leaders were in the temple when this kid sat in their midst and asked them questions they couldn't answer and gave them answers that they had long been asking. So when this crowd all of a sudden says, could this be the son of David, they pounced. And here's what they said. When the Pharisees heard it, they said it's only by Belshabab. The prince of the demons that this fella drives out demons. Now, that's kind of a stupid statement, isn't it? I mean, you picked that up, right? Jesus didn't let it sit. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus knew their thoughts and he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Now, that is a wonderful principle we need to understand. Because not only, Jesus is going to go on, and we'll finish reading it in a second, going to go on and tell them that if by Satan he cast out Satan, then the kingdom is unstable, the kingdom of Satan. And that kingdom will soon pass away. That kingdom will soon be destroyed. I want you to understand that a body of Christ that is united, not united, if they are against If they're in the spiritual wars that we find ourselves in, the body of Christ is weakened. And that's one of the reasons things are in the shape that we're in. Because for so long, the body of Christ, which goes beyond denomination, it is every believer who has received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord and his sacrifice on the cross. The body of Christ is made up of believers, but we have too long lived in the shadow of what Paul called moons and festivals and shadowy beliefs that actually divide us when they don't really matter. Jesus was giving these boys a lesson. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. You want to know why marriages crumble? They're divided. They're going in different directions. They believe different things. Every kingdom, every nation that's ever fallen has fallen from within. A little 
bald-headed dude named Nikita Khrushchev years ago took his shoe off, banged it on the table and said, I will destroy you from within. And it's coming to pass. And we lay sleeping. Go ahead. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? See, I hope that you're going back and reading the Gospels. Jesus just turns this stuff right back on them. He doesn't back away. He doesn't defend. He speaks truth, and then he puts it on them. You see, the 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 followers, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had people that claimed they could drive out demons. And so... Jesus is saying to him, okay, guys, think about this. Number one, if, if Satan is using me to drive out his demons, then that kingdom is divided. Second thing, if I'm divided, if I'm casting them out by the power of Satan, who are your people driving them out by? You see, this conversation was in front of people who were wondering, is this Messiah? Go ahead. And so then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the Spirit of God has come upon you. Jesus does not shy away from letting people know Messiah had come. There was no reason for ignorance in the Jewish nation about who Jesus was. From their leadership in the their religion down to the smallest child had heard generation after generation talk about the Messiah and what he would be like. Jesus is just simply saying, guys, what you've waited for is here. Or again... How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. It's a lesson. Who is the strong man of your home? In the case of the demon-possessed man, it was a demon. In the case of a believer... It is the Spirit of God. This is one of the major reasons that a Christian cannot be demon-possessed. You know, there, there was, I guess, 15, 20 years ago, there was this, you know, every once in a while we have this new wave of stuff. And people, Christians, were casting demons out of Christians. And everybody was getting involved in it. They want to do that. See, the foolishness that we get into, it's the message, it's the word of God that sets people free. Jesus given the principle. You know, I, I know we had to be thinking about another passage of scripture. There, when Israel was in captivity, God spoke to Israel through the prophet Isaiah. And he was trying to say to Israel, guys, 
I've told you your captivity is going to be 70 years. But I want you to know I'm going to deliver you. That's found over in Isaiah chapter 49. Let's look at that passage. It's one of my favorites. Can plunder be taken from warriors? God is asking a question. Plunder is what happens when you defeat someone. You get what they have. Can plunder be taken from warriors or captives be rescued from the fierce? They had lost everything that they had. They, Israel, was captive. And so Jesus, is, God is saying to them, you know, guys, I've told you only a length of time. I've told you I'm going to set up a kingdom. You're not believing me. So let me ask you these questions. And then God being God, he answered them. What's the answer? But this is what the Lord says. Yes. Captives will be taken from warriors and plunder retrieved from the fierce. I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will save. That should have come to the mind of every Pharisee that was standing there mocking Jesus. Because God was saying, As Jesus is saying to us today, as the ministry of the Holy Spirit says to us, the way we fight battles is to believe, to stand on truth, and to speak truth. Because it is that truth being God that will deliver us from our enemies. It is that truth that will keep us from being captivated by lies. That is the importance of knowing the truth because it's recorded in the word of God. The truth will set you free. And there are people living in bondage today because they fail. They either reject the truth, turn their back on the truth, or just simply criticize the truth. Jesus was trying to say something to him. And in chapter 50 of the book of Isaiah, he wonders, why doesn't anybody believe him? He says, when I came, why was there no one? When I called, why was there no one to answer? Was my arm too short to deliver you? Or do I lack the strength to rescue Can you see the imagery? My arm. Is it too short to reach you? Today in the situation where you sit, the the, whatever it is in your life that has trying to either hold you captive or keep you captive, is God's arm too short that he cannot reach you? Another passage of scripture says, is my arm too short or my ear dimmed that I cannot hear? These are questions that actually hit us in the face. And you see, when Jesus was confronting error in the love of God, he simply spoke truth. And the truth is the hammer that drives the truth home. 
because you cannot refute it. It's amazing. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Herodians, all of these people that were against him, they knew the truth. They knew who he was, and yet they did not, he did not fit who they wanted to worship and serve. Because of Jesus, when he said, what is the most important thing in this world, most important law, is to love the Lord God with all your heart and all your mind, all of your soul. And the second one is like it. You love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus came to earth and said, a believer and a follower of God is one who puts others first and themselves last. Not because they'll get the bad part. It shows a trust in God. When you care about your neighbor, when you care about somebody, a neighbor can be somebody on the street that's absolutely starving to death. He's your neighbor. God has put him in his place. If you worry, you just take care of his food. Buy him food. Love him. Pray for him. Help him. Don't say, if I give this away, what will I lose? You know, one of the things that stops blessings from God coming down is our reluctance and our fear of if I give my time, I won't have enough time left for me. If I give my money, I won't have enough money left for me. And yet the last words God spoke In the book of Malachi, for 450 years, the last thing he said was this. Test me, try me, and prove me. Release the tithe from your hands and give it to me. And see if I won't open the windows of heaven. Friends, I want to tell you right this second. There is no explanation For how Tomoka can go to the uttermost parts of the world and spend the money that we spend other than the windows of heaven and your faithful giving. Because when we give away, it's because we're not afraid that we're going to do without. And yet the greatest mindset that we have in the world today is the mindset of the Pharisees. What about me? They couldn't stop him. They could not refute what he was doing. And so they had to deflect. And in so doing, they put themselves in a very, very bad state. Go back to uh, Matthew passage, please. And let's pick up where we were. I want to finish with that. I know I bounce you guys all around. I'm sorry. I'm as sorry as Cord is when he preaches too long. (laughs) Maybe he's not watching. All right. Let's go down a couple more verses. All right. Let's go to the next verse. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions? Let's go. Unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house. Continue. Whoever is not with me is against me. 
I want you to look at that statement. That's not saying whoever is not with me is out there causing trouble. They were causing trouble. Jesus goes to the heart of the matter. If you're not with me, you're against me. You don't have to be doing anything against them, trying to stop him, refute it. But Jesus, in his eyes, if you are not with me, you're against me. He goes on. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. You see, the issue of the Christian life is not easy believism. It is a notice that when you come to Christ, your life changes. And those changes will occur until the day you're taken out of this world or Jesus himself comes back. Because we are being melted and molded into the image of the Son of God. Next verse. Verse 31. Do we have another one? All right, then go back to Mark, to the last verses in Mark, so I can get that one. Go ahead. I'll just find it myself. Sorry about that. I didn't give it to you. This verse, verse 31, I tell you, every sin, every blasphemy will be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this age or the age to come. Unpardonable sin. I've heard that. Suicide's unpardonable sin? No. Every sin, every sin you can commit can be forgiven except through rejection. That is speaking a word against the Holy Spirit. How is rejecting speaking a word against the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that is calling you, convicting you of the sin in your life, pointing you to Jesus Christ, how is rejecting? It's very simple. You're calling the Spirit of God a liar. I'm not a sinner. I don't have those sins. And Jesus is not the answer. That sin can never be Forgiven. It is an eternal sin because no forgiveness is possible for the one who refuses to stop rejecting Jesus. That's the importance of keeping your heart soft. And the greatest softener in the world is God's Spirit speaking in your life. The Hebrew writer about 40 years later said, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? The answer is we can't. Jesus is calling us. 
He may be calling some here to salvation. If you're online and God is calling you, convicting you of that sin and saying Jesus is the answer, the answer to everything, then don't reject. Hit that I have decided button. Cry out to Jesus. God have mercy on me, a sinner. Hit that button. Let us know so we can stand with you and walk with you. If you're here this morning, the Spirit of God is just doing some house cleaning. You know, doing some house cleaning. Saying, get rid of these things in your life. Listen to Him. Do not walk down the path of a hardened heart. Jesus is the way. The only way. The truth. The only truth. And the life. The only life. As I pray... If you'd like to speak to someone, Ray, Pastor Ray's here. Uh, if you need to have a prayer request, I'll be here. But move on what God is calling you, okay? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you how it challenges us. Thank you for how it convicts us. And thank you how it lovingly draws us to the solutions of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.